Well, it's so good to be with you guys. My name is Chad, and one of the pastors here, and, and um, just such an honor to be together week after week. For those who are here for the first time, uh, we just want to say welcome. We hope it's not your last. For those who've come a lot of times, welcome. We, we wouldn't be able to do, we wouldn't be who we are without you, and so thank you. Um, it was so funny, I got a text earlier this week from somebody, not everybody does this who, doesn't, who skips church for like six weeks in a row, but my friend texted me and said, hey, just want you to know, I'm not flaky. I was like, thanks, bro. <laughs> so no one hardly ever does that. I was like, okay. And he gave me all of the reasons and where he was and the times and the dates and what he ate. No, I'm just kidding. But it was just super funny. Uh, you know, it's just super funny. But I, it was cool. It, it, that to me spoke of covenant, of family. Hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Just want to let you know where I've been. So you don't have to do that. Just thought I'd share that story as both comedy relief and... Um, just because. So this week we were at Bass Lake, my wife and I, and um, the Daly family, and, and uh, we had vacation with kids, so I'll let you fill in what that means, <laughs> with a large body of water. So we had vacation with kids, um, which was awesome. It was a couple days too short, but uh, hey, uh, it, was, it was just a wonderful time. And the Lord, something dawned on me as we were at the lake. Um, I have three kids, my beautiful wife, Haley. Say hi, Haley, at the front here. Um, we are expecting our fourth child. We're still debating on the name, so pray for us. And um, here in about six weeks, six and a half weeks, we're going to have another kid, so four. I don't know what we're doing, but um, we'll figure that out, I think. Um, but each of my kids, how many have kids or grandkids? Every one of those knuckleheads are different. If you agree, say amen. And, and my, my daughter, Mackenzie, is a little mini-me. She is the most fiery, passionate. She's just like her dad. Just super expressive and energetic and very athletic, more like her mom in that regards. She, she for me to connect with my daughter, Mackenzie, is very easy. Anyone have a kid where it's just really easy to connect with them? Like, you have common interests, common personalities. It's just like super easy. So all I have to do for McKinsey is take her to a bakery and get her a cupcake, and I'm the best dad in the history of the world. But then for, and I'll skip my middle son for now, for Benjamin, my two-year-old, super easy. All I got to do is get on the round and be a, a wrestling mate, and he will think I'm the coolest dad ever. We'll have a tangible connection. All I have to do is sit on the hallway. I don't have to even play. I just have to sit and watch him play basketball for two hours, and he thinks I'm the best dad ever. Sweet. It's really easy. Or just give him whatever he wants to eat, and then, you know, either way, he's good. And then there's my son, Caleb. So Mackenzie's almost six, Caleb's four, Benji's two, and unnamed, to-be-determined baby is coming up. And as I was at the lake, here's what the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, just began to whisper to my heart. My son, Caleb, is incredible, first of all. But he's the hardest kid for me to connect with. Like, where I, where I, like when I'm trying to connect with him, where I know that there's an exchange, he's receiving what I'm giving, and then there's a recipro- reciprocity. There's a, he responds and, and gives it back. Is everyone tracking with me? I'm not trying to use big, fancy words, but... For my son, Caleb, it, he, I don't know why, but it's, it, for me, as I was at the lake this week especially, it became, I was just, because I, I didn't have a bunch of deadlines and my phone broke 
for three days, which was awesome. <laughs> which Caleb broke, actually, but that's okay. Um, he reached for my wife's phone to watch a show and he slid mine off. And my wife's been busting my tail forever for not getting a case. So you're welcome. I finally got a new case for a new phone. But so somehow I'll learn that it's not, you don't have to spend $100 every time you break a screen. So there's still some uh, pride that's still being eradicated in my heart. But, but as I was at the lake and, and, you know, I didn't have my regular schedule, my regular rhythm. So I had clearly a lot more time to be present with my kids. This thing began to well up in me that has a dad, a very impatient, imperfect, moody, sometimes selfish dad. I would do anything for my son to know that I loved him. I'm just sitting there at Bass Lake and I was thinking, I'll play water guns. I will let him hit me. I will take him on a trip. I'll take him on the little golf cart that the Daly's grandpas had. I, I, as an imperfect father, I would, be, I would do anything. Go down any road imaginable so that I knew my son didn't just have an idea that his dad loved him, but he had an encounter, an experience, a, you might say a revelation that his father loves him. And the Lord began to whisper, and I had phenomenal time connecting with Caleb. And I, oh, I do all the time, but he's just the hardest one for me to try to figure out, is he getting it? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anybody this morning? So we had an amazing time connecting at the lake and just being goofy and swinging on the hammock. And, but the, the, the Lord began to whisper to me when I was like really trying, man. Uh, it seemed like the Lord whispered, Chatty. In an infinitely greater way, imagine what I feel towards all my kids. How many know we all experience love and affection in a different way? Raise your hand. Some you know, time and gifts, and you know, whoever wrote the book, five, you know, the five love languages. We understand all that gifts and quality service and acts of service and uh, uh, physical touch and time and all the whatever. I'm forgetting one, but but all of us experience love. And, and, and as I was at on vacation this last week, the Lord just whispered and said, Chatty. you want to connect with your son that bad, imagine how much I want to have a vibrant connection with every single son and daughter that I've created. And how, listen, when the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the way that the Father has made for us to encounter him is through the way of his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus has, through his cross, through his sacrifice and being raised from the dead, he has cleared out every rock and pebble and ounce of rubble between us and God. That the Father is not indifferent. He's not passive. He is actively, constantly working to draw us to himself. And that's why I wanted to share, have Pastor Katie share, and I'm going to have a new person all month share how they've learned to connect with God in meaningful, tangible ways. Because I'm telling you, you and I are not meant to live with a, the experience of God as sort of an absentee dad. Like, 
I sort of know he's there, but I don't know him. You and I are meant to live out of the awareness of a very real, tangible relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Like, not a theory. Come on, everyone say, not a theory, but a relationship, a relationship. And I'm convinced, out of our passage this morning, that one of the number one things, maybe the number one thing that kills relationship is worry. Worry. So the Bible says this. It says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Say that with me. Say, I can't serve two masters. One more time. I can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And we all said amen. amen. Or about your body. About, uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, maybe, and the body more important than clothes? And then Jesus gives us two word pictures. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you his image bearers not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon, Israel's wealthiest king, was dressed like the flower. If that is how God the Father clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who do not live in the awareness of the reality of God, they run after all of those things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first. Say that with me. Seek first. Say it one more time. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Matthew chapter 6, it's from the greatest sermon ever preached called the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus' own lips. Jesus paints a picture 
He takes us from this issue of where our hearts place their treasure. He warns us about putting our heart's affection and latching on our desire to anything that is temporary or temporal. Not because that which is temporary or temporal is not or could not be a a means to a blessing or good. It just is subject to decay. So Jesus says, get your heart right. Treasure the right thing. Treasure me. Amen? Amen. And then he goes on to this issue of our eyes, and we understand that where we look, we go. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, where you look, you go. In fact, that's when you start tripping and falling is when you're looking elsewhere and you're trying to go in a different direction from when you're looking. Can I get an amen? amen? And so then Jesus takes us from this issue of heart and treasure and affection, and then he takes us to the issue of our eyes. Again, like Pastor Katie shared, and like my bulletin I wrote up for you, the only thing you and I actually have control of at the end of the day is where we look. Come on, somebody. I can, I can work out. I can eat healthy every day of my life. I still don't have control over the end game. Are you tracking with me? The illusion of control is what keeps us bound in prisons of worry, anxiety, and fear. The only thing we can control is where we look, what we set our gaze upon. And so Jesus says, if your eyes are good, another translation say, if your eyes are generous, if you don't try to hoard treasures and put your heart on things that are means to your own ends, but you live a generous lifestyle, your eyes, you live that posture of generosity because you see the generosity of your father, then your life will be filled with light. Does anyone just immediately think of someone in your life whose life is filled with light? Not at me. You just know someone then when you're with them, man, there's just the, the, God's countenance, his pleasure, his peace. You get around them and you just sense peace. Raise your hand at me if you know someone like that. Then when you're with them, it's like, man, I would argue they're a generous person. Jesus says, where your eyes are fixed, what you look at is what you'll be filled with. Turn to your neighbor and say, where are you looking? Where are you looking? Jesus says, so if your eyes are good, your whole body will be filled with light. Who wants their life to be filled with his life-giving light? Come on, all of us. So we go from the issue of heart to the issue of gaze and to the very, very practical issue of trust and pursuit. Very simple message this morning. Simple, but you never graduate from it. Jesus says this. Take all of the energy and the effort that you have allocated towards you trying to fend for yourself, provide for yourself, be the Lord of your own kingdom, take all of that energy and point it in my direction. And if you'll get busy worrying about, I'm just going to be as close to Papa Father as I can, I will take care of the rest of your life. If you will take all of your energy, this word seek first, how many know that the Bible says in Psalm 14 that there is no one who seeks God? All of us are hardwired seekers, but we, when we are born, we are hardwired seekers of the wrong thing in the wrong way in the wrong direction. So therefore, in order to seek first the kingdom, it implies some work that God must do where he takes our seeker of self and sin and he makes us a seeker of God and righteousness. This is what we call God's grace. It takes our heart and our posture of our heart and he shifts it. 
He shifts our heart. And so Jesus says, why would you want to seek first my kingdom, which is to say life, experiencing life as if God is reigning and ruling? Who does not want to be under God's loving reign and rule? I mean, he's, we're, I'm a knucklehead. I will gladly submit to the one who created the world to run my life and my world. Amen? What is one thing we're really good at? Making a mess of our own lives so we can trust him. But Jesus is saying that, that the, the, the foundation from which he calls us to seek his kingdom first, the foundation is this unbelievable picture of a God who is a generous, compassionate, providing, loving, heavenly father. As he says, look at the birds. I challenge you, look at the birds. We have this bird outside of our window that wakes us up, doggone it, every single morning. And you almost feel guilty saying, God, can you tell that bird to stop praising? <laughs> you almost feel like, I'm like not a real Christian or a real pastor for that matter. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't sow a reap. They don't have a 25-year plan. I'm not saying planning's bad. Everyone say, Chatty's not saying planning's bad. It's only bad when it's your predominant prevailing concern at the expense of trusting God for your very bread today. Are you tracking with me? How many know you got to sow the seed for the seed to grow? I'm not saying don't sow. I'm not. I'm saying, but that the over our God is inviting us into this posture of absolute trust in his goodness and in his care. God wants to do that for us. And then he says, see the lilies of the field. And he compares flowers to God's people, Israel's greatest, most wealthiest king. And he says, the flowers that are literally mowed over just a day from now are clothed with greater splendor. It's almost as if God took all of his abundance, all of his generosity, all of his creativity, all of his power, all of his beauty, and in the work of creation, he's just like, you know. (laughs) What kind of God and father do we have if he just, because he did, because he can, because he wanted to, said, Flowers, beautiful. Sun, last night on the way home from camp, I couldn't figure out what color the sunset was. You ever, you ever seen a sunset like that? I asked my kids, it was a trick question. Guys, what are all the colors wrapped up in the sunset tonight? Orange, pink, blue. Anyone seen something like that where it's just like God's like having fun with us? Why does he do that? Because he wants your life full of life. He wants your life full of beauty, full of color, full of expression. He, the picture that Jesus Christ is painting for us in our little Bible passage in Matthew 6 is a picture of a father who is so generous, so gracious, so kind, so lavish in his love, so lavish in his power that he's saying the birds to the flowers I take care of them. In fact, it says in Matthew chapter 10, it says that literally not one sparrow falls without God knowing about it. And Jesus is, he's, 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 remember he told us about where we treasure our hearts and he told us about where we look with our eyes. So he's trying to say, guys, the only place worth looking is to your heavenly father who's so good. The father that I am perfectly revealing through my life. Do I have anyone in this place that struggles with believing that besides me? 
how do I know if you struggle? How do I, how do I know I struggle with believing that? Because, because of the five times he says, if you believe that, then you wouldn't worry. So I'll ask the question again, who in this room ever struggles with worry? I'm in church, I can't be that honest. Did you know, when you and I worry and we don't live out of a moment, by, how many know all of us only can ever live one day at a time? That's a secret, but not a secret, it's pretty, yeah. How many know that the pictures that we create with our imagination of our future when we enter into the realm of worry, they're never a picture with God in the equation? That's why it's, that's why it's the definition of worry. Can I get an amen? Whatever, God, I don't know if I'm going to trust you. I don't, tomorrow, God, I don't know the, the security of my work or the, the security of my health. God, I, how many know that every picture, that our, imagine, our imaginative picture that we create with our minds when we enter into the realm of worry instead of seeking first the only thing we have control over, which is that God is good and he's invited us in relationship. It's the only thing we have control over. How many know when we worry, the picture we create is always a picture without God? No wonder that picture looks helpless and hopeless. Can I get an amen? Listen, without God, it says in Ephesians chapter two, without God, we have no hope because God is our hope, amen? Without God or Jesus Christ in the picture, when I'm in this realm of worry and anxiety and fear and I'm not taking like Pastor Katie shared, every day I'm setting my heart to seek. Come on, say that with me. I'm setting my heart to seek. Listen, if we are not by nature seekers of God, how many know we're gonna have to set our hearts to seek him? Are you tracking with me? By nature, apart from his grace and his love and Holy Spirit in our life, we are really good at seeking everything else under the sun but him. Therefore, Jesus says you've got to set your heart to seek first. Why does he say this word seek is this word, it's a big fancy word, you don't care what it is, but it's this idea of a full-fledged, everything included, going after until you possess. That's the word seek. As if that word is not strong enough, he says, seek first. And so it's like a double positive, a double, help me out, English majors. <laughs> the listeners of Jesus' day, when they heard seek, they would have known, oh man, that's intense. That's like an all out seeking. See, I'm convinced many of us, we don't live out of this awareness of our loving father and his generosity and his kindness because we are lackadaisical in our seeking of him. Am I speaking to anybody honestly this morning? And then we sit passively by and go, oh, he's good for that person, but not really for me. And my question to you lovingly this morning is, have you set your heart to seek him? Answer me this. How did God go about seeking us? There's only three times where the Bible says the Son of Man came. The Son of Man came eating and drinking Amen? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And I forgot the third one, so don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. It's in there, I promise. There's three of them. I read it in a book somewhere. So my question is, how did God go about seeking us? Was he lackadaisical? Was he haphazard? Oh, my heart's sort of in it. How many know when he... When he, 
when he sent Jesus Christ to seek and save that which was lost, and by the way, what was that which was lost? The original arrangement, right? Walking with God. How <laughs> I many know he came to, to do way more than just deal with our sin? He came to restore relationship. He dealt with our sin. That was the rift and the brokenness of our relationship. But how many know what Jesus came to seek and save was that which God created us to live out of, which is a real relationship with him 24-7, 365. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And I would argue he withheld nothing to seek us out and to save us. If you agree, say amen. He went all the way. Jesus is saying, guys, God is generally good. How many know he is good to those who seek him and those who don't? Amen? That's why he's so compelling. He sends rain. Jesus has already said in Matthew 5, he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun rises on the evil and the good. God is impartial in his generosity and goodness. How many know that, 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 that that's true of our God and our Father? But, come on, someone say but. It's a good but. He is particularly good to those who respond to his generosity and grace by seeking the one who sought us first. There are realms of his goodness, of his nature, of his promises, of his provision, of his power. There are realms we will never discover as bystanders on the sidelines, but out in the field of seeking first who he is, what he's done, what he's promised to do. There are discoveries yet to be had by everyone in this room if we will set our heart to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. What is this righteousness piece about? the way of life that Jesus Christ made available for us to live. That's the best. I read all the commentaries. To seek first his kingdom is to seek first his authority, his reign, and his rule, to submit. To sub God, I want to seek with all that I have. Seek first your kingdom. What life looks like when you're on the throne, not me. And then he says, and your righteousness. What does this mean? And the conduct or the way of life that is fitting for the king and his kingdom. Jesus says, you want to know the secret to not live in worry, to not live a constantly anxious life. Set your heart to seek my Lord, my kingdom, and my righteousness. Seek, take all of the energy you're spending on worry, on doubt, on fear, on anxiety, on insecurity. Come on, take all of that energy and turn it towards seeking me. The only thing you and I have control over is where we look and what we pursue. Why would we not want to pursue the one who says, oh, and by the way, if you'll trust me with all of that, it's all taken care of. Come on, who knows that is a good deal any day of the week. <laughs> If you'll trust me in the core of you are, you won't just trust me. That faith will spill over into a pursuit. That trust and faith spills over into a pursuit. If you'll pursue me and seek me with all that you have. I love what Pastor Katie shared. Don't just seek him. Seek him until you find him. Anyone played hide and seek with their kids or grandkids or friends? Just say amen. Amen. How many know you would be a really terrible guardian if you hid in such a place that your kids were still looking for you after five days? <laughs> Either that's insanity or brilliance. I don't know. Or just plain out mean. Guys, God does not, I love this as a quote, God does not hide from us to tease us 
or to make us feel powerless. But like a father, like me playing hide and seek with my kids, he hides for us in plain sight because he knows that unless we exercise that seeker muscle, things and dynamics of his kingdom will never be unlocked otherwise. Come on, somebody. How many have ever, when your kid finally finds you, finds you, after you hide in like plain open space, what is their response when they find you? Come on, someone reenact it for me. Right? So why do you think he says, seek me, seek me with all your heart, and if you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. Don't you think that God loves it when we experience that joy, that celebration? Oh, my word. It was worth getting up at five and drinking coffee and opening the Bible. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm seeking you, God, because you sought me, and I want to seek you, too. Do you think, what does God's heart do when we connect When we look at the birds, when we leave this building, we say, God, you take care of them. You know what? Today, I'm going to trust you to take care of me. When we go home or when it rains in January, February, and we cross the 101, either south or north, and we look at the mountains and they're green, and when you get down that bend past Avalon, you look to your right and the the hillside's covered with mustard plant, and we're going to remember, God, you didn't have to make it that beautiful, but that's to remind me that you know how to clothe and take care of me. God, I'm going to take, listen... Listen, the only way to combat worry is not to not think about worrying. Come on, somebody. How many have done that game? It don't work. The only way, I'm telling you, on the authority of God's word, the only way to not live a life paralyzed by fear and anxiety and worry is to take that energy and to go in a new direction. Come on. The only way is to take, God, I'm going to trust you. I love it. Jesus, when he was getting ready to go heal Lazarus, Even Jesus Christ, the king of the Lord, mastered everything. Amazing. He's the man and God. (laughs) My hero, my friend, Jesus. When he was getting ready to go heal Lazarus in John's gospel, chapter 11, Jesus said, there's only 12 hours in a day. Come on, how do you think Jesus could be so irresistible to sinners He was like a magnet everywhere he went. The Bible says that literally whole towns would go out to meet him. Have you ever been with someone who they just are good at being present in the present? Who struggles with being present in the present besides me? And therefore, I'm susceptible to worry. See how they're connected? But why was Jesus so irresistible? Why? There's probably a lot of theological answers, but I would argue it's because he believed that, hey, there's only 12 hours. I believe that Jesus woke up every morning every morning and said, Father, I know what's ahead, but I'm just going to trust you with today. Come on, somebody. How many know? We may not know what's happening tomorrow or six years from now, but how many know right now we can trust him? And if you and I, just listen, I remember back when I was struggling, I, I was trying to kick this, this uh, well, I'll just come out and say it. Back when I was 16, I was struggling, I, you know, I was trying to overcome this, this battle with lust. Um, and anytime I would think, I have to be pure for the rest of my life. <sighs> How many know very quickly you get your, your handed to you and you just feel like a failure when you think, I got to do this forever? But how many know when the Holy Spirit began to break it down and said, Chatty, if you can trust me with your thoughts for the next 30 seconds, and then the next minute, you see where I'm going? If you can take every thought captive, and guys, as a 16 year old, 
God totally brought breakthrough to my life that I have still continued to live in by his grace at 34 because I learned it's not so much will I trust him tomorrow or the next day, it's where is my trust and my, my gaze today? And so Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I love that he says it. Tomorrow is already filled with all kinds of trouble, but my grace is sufficient for you today. I will have sufficient grace for your day tomorrow when tomorrow is today. Come on, somebody. But if you're going to live paralyzed with what the what ifs and the what coulds and the what shoulds, I'm telling you, go look at the flowers. Go look at the birds. You can trust that God and Father. And that, that trust, Jesus says, that trust, if it's really trust, is going to spill over into a life of seeking him first. What he thinks, what he says, and what he's promised. And how do I seek him? How do I figure that out? Number one, we open our Bibles. We read them. We pray. We gather with other believers. Those are like, if you just do those three things, you'll probably be really good. I promise. (laughs) We set our hearts to seek first. How many know, man, usually when it's busy, what is the first thing that usually goes? I'm the only one again. Okay, this is just awkward. Time with God. And we wonder, in busyness, we're usually super annoyed or annoying, and we're no pleasure to be around. Am I talking to anybody? Elbow somebody if I'm talking to them. So Jesus says, hey, there's only 12 hours in a day. We got to do the work of my father during the daylight. So today, isn't it funny? Today is always the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6. Isn't it funny in Hebrews 3.19, it says, today, if you hear his voice, there's an implication, if you hear, if you'll attune your ear to hear, don't harden your hearts. I mean, no, all I'm responsible for is right now responding to his loving kindness and his grace. And as I hear, I turn around and seek the one who's speaking. I turn around and say, okay, you lead. I'll take second seat. Okay, your kingdom, not mine. Okay, your righteousness, not mine. Jesus, your life, not mine. And beloved, if we'll take all of our energy, all of our anxiousness, all of our worries, all of that, and we'll pour it instead into pursuing the one who pursues us relentlessly, I would argue, we'll never look at a bird the same. We'll never look at a flower the same. We won't look at each other the same. And we certainly won't look at God the same. From meany, grumpy, distant, why are you holding out on me, to generous, gracious, kind, compassionate, always present, always faithful Father. First things first, what are you seeking today? It's the message. What is your heart treasure? You know the answer right away. What do you treasure? What are your eyes fixed on? You know the answer right away. Am I talking to anybody this morning? What are you seeking after? You know the answer right away. Who is your energy, your time, your treasure, your talent? Those are all simple indicators of where my gaze is fixed and where my gate is. I don't have another word, but where I'm running, where I'm seeking, where I'm going. My invitation for this first Sunday of our brand new Seek First series, first things first, seek him. Seek him. The Bible promises that we'll find him if we seek him with what? 
all our hearts. This is the part that many of us, we take that promise, I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord. Help me somebody, come on, it's on a coffee mug somewhere. Plans to prosper you, give you a hope. And, and I love that Bible verse. Hear me. I love that coffee in that coffee mug. But the secret to that verse is found in the two verses after it. Come on, somebody. When you call on me, I'll answer. And if you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. He does not give us the fulfillment of our dreams and our desires and destiny apart from a real tangible reality of a relationship with him. Why would he? Because the good stuff is in knowing the one who is, who is amazing, God, the Father, and his son, Jesus. Stand up. Stand up with me. I'm going to ask Leah to come, and we're going to have a time of communion, which is we haven't for, for many weeks, and I miss it. Because the, the communion meal reminds us of the links to which God and Christ has gone to seek and to save us. That there was not one rock unturned, not one mile that was not crossed or spanned, that he was not willing to endure and go through. If I could have some more, thank you guys. So that he could seek and save us, so that we could know him and have a relationship with the Father through the Son. So three questions as you come. Doesn't have to be all scary or somber, but just ask the Lord, Lord, where is my treasure this morning? Is it on things that are subject to decay? Lord, I want to give you those things. I want to treasure what lasts. I want to treasure you because you treasure me. Where are your eyes fixed? What is your life filled with? Is it filled with light or is it filled with darkness? And then very quick and up to date. How's your worry level? It's probably a good indicator of what you're spending your energy and effort seeking after. Give him your worries. Well, should I feel bad about worrying? No. That's why he tells us five times in like eight verses not to do it. Take your worry. Don't negotiate with it and bring it into submission to him. Amen? Say, God, I'm bringing, I'm acknowledging it, but I want to have, I want to seek you first. I want to trust you for today, and if I can trust you for today, I'm sure that when I wake up tomorrow, I can trust you for tomorrow. So God, I just thank you right now. You're drawing us to yourself through your grace and through your love. And just like my son Caleb, you are willing to do whatever it takes to connect with us today. You've already done it all through sending your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.